You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Not sure if you could have heard it. <laughs> yeah, I'll play it again in a second. That's my yeah, bad on yeah. that one. <laughs> Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. It is Sunday Funday. Thank you so much if you tuned into our golf program. Really do appreciate it. Uh, but now time to turn our attention to other sports. Uh, so we've got Tom and Harvey who are producing the show. Tom, let's play that again. Harting. Off there. Did it go in? Waiting on a signal. No, they're going to check. VAR can't intervene. I couldn't tell from here. I thought it was going in, but it happened so quickly. Wow. Sweden wins. Yeah, so Sweden knocks out the United States uh, in the round of 16. They lose 5-4 in penalty kicks. Uh, to Sweden. Keep in mind, Rose Lavelle did not play in this because of too much uh, yellow card accumulation. Uh, Rodman, Trinity Rodman was sick. She did play, but not feeling 100%. Really, at the end of the day, uh, this is the earliest bounce for Team USA in quite a while. Keep in mind, they lost to Japan in penalty kicks back in 2011. They also had 238 minutes of uh, not scoring, a scoring drought for 238 minutes. A lot of penalties hurt this team, that's for sure. And uh, and really two storylines here. Uh, this is the last that we will see of Rapino, uh, Julie Ertz, Alex Morgan as those veterans who uh, who definitely helped Team USA obviously win two championships, two World Cups, uh, are now going to retire and move on. So now a young, new, young batch crop of our world's best and finest are going to step up and take over. So like a really true changing of the guard uh, that we're going to see coming up. But Rapino, Smith, O'Hara all missed their penalty kicks, but also had a chance uh, there was quite a few times, especially uh, there was an extra 30 minutes added to the match in regulation um, or after regulation. 30 minutes were, was added, and there was a, a number of opportunities uh, in regard to uh, the United States trying to score. But Sweden's goaltender, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher it up, so I'm not even going to try. It was just outstanding. So there was that, the United States, and, and I'm curious, I'm, I'm, I've been looking for the statistics here in regard to uh, time of possession, especially in that last 30 minutes, I want to say the United States was very dominant, uh, but could not score a goal. So of course it went into penalty kicks, and uh, Rapino and Smith, so Rapino, arguably one of the best um, veterans that are moving on, that's going to retire, uh, her Penalty kick, her free kick went wide. Uh, and Smith, one of the youngest, most exciting uh, USA players that um, very well could be the best moving forward, the star, the face 
of Team USA moving forward missed her kick as well. O'Hara did as well, but so much riding on Rapino, who came in off the bench, and Smith, who's just an absolute rock star. So, unfortunate. Am I surprised? No. If you've been following the Women's uh, World Cup and following uh, the women and how they've been playing, not stellar at all. Um, just very disjointed, have not looked good. Like I said, 238 minutes, a scoring drought. It's just not typically what you see uh, with Team USA. So I'm sure this is a very difficult way to lose uh, because the final goal uh, penalty kick that that was good, that was ruled good for Sweden, had to be re- uh, reviewed. So there was a lot of anticipation. But after review, you did see that it did cross the line. It didn't hit the ground, but it did cross the line. And therefore, uh, they gave um, they gave Sweden the goal, which I find interesting. I'm excited. Sebastian Salazar is going to join us on the program at 1030 this morning, about an hour and a half. I'm excited to have him on because uh, I'm, I'm just and, and again, I'm not pretending to be, a, you know, a, a soccer um, savant or, or, you know, somebody who I don't watch a ton of soccer. I watch during the World Cup. I watch during the Olympics. Um uh, you know, the, the big events, but you know, it was, the the penalty kick was blocked and then it, it, it made its way behind the line after it was blocked. So I'm just, I'm just, and, and, and don't, I'm not questioning. Um, I'm not saying it was a bad call. I just want to understand the call from Sebastian Salazar. Maybe there's some soccer folks out there that uh, that want to chime in as well. 800-919-3776. It's just, at the end of the day, it's just a real sucky way of losing. Let's be honest, right? Um, it's just, I'm sure it just does does not feel good. And, and so much, listen, this is Team USA. They were favored to win this bad boy coming into the tournament. So much, you know, because, and no surprise, right? Two championships back to back, and um, and so looking for that third. So how does the uh, how does the bracket look right now? You've got Spain. So on the side that the United States was on, you've got Spain and the Netherlands. They're going to battle it out to see who advances. In Japan, they beat Norway. Of course, again, Sweden beat the United States five four in penalty kicks. So now uh, Japan and Sweden will face off against each other. I liked earlier this week, I liked Japan and you could have gotten Japan at nine to one. Yesterday, we were talking about them on the show because we had Sebastian on the show yesterday. And at that point in time, they were plus 550. Uh, I will take a look and see what they are in just a second. I know we're getting some calls, guys. 800-919-3776. On the opposite side of the bracket, we've got Australia and Denmark. Uh, They will play the winner of France and Morocco. And we also have England going up against Nigeria and they will play the winner of Colombia and Jamaica. I would imagine that England is, uh, is the team is the country that you want to be most fearful of coming off of that side of the bracket. We very well could see, I think we're going to see Japan and Spain battle it out to see who will go up against England. That is what I'm. That is what I'm anticipating. We'll see. 800-919-3776. Let's go to your calls. Javier is calling in from Queens. Javier, you woke up early this morning to watch the ladies play. God bless you. Good morning, Anita. Uh, happy Sunday. Welcome in. Hello. Uh, yeah. What's up? yeah. Yeah. Welcome I in. did wake up early. I got to see the game. Incredible game. 
uh, with the theme of the golf show, it, I, that last one, all she needs to do is just just tap it in, just just tap it in. Uh, unbelievable! Like what? What an exciting game! Absolutely. Um, your your thoughts on on Team USA and you know well, you know I'm excited how, how, to see some of these. Uh, personally, my family's from Colombia, so I'm really excited to see. Columbia, Jamaica. I'm intrigued by the Jamaica storyline too. It's it's a good thing for the sport. It's fine. The USA has done so well, uh, women's side in the World Cup that you know it, it's okay. They they can take the L this time. It was a tough way to lose, but Sweden played a really great game. Um, one thing I wanted to say, Anita. Very weird 24 hours in sports. I don't know if you noticed, but the biggest knockout yesterday was not during the fights last night. It was during a baseball game. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. I love that. It was such. It was an amazing day of sports so far. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm watching the uh, the the replay, the highlight right now uh, with the White Sox and the Cubs going at it. <laughs> Players getting injured all over the place. Um, I'm sorry. What did uh, you say, Tom? The uh, Guardians, not the Cubs. Guardians and White Sox, just for clarification. Was it, was it the Guardians? Yes, Jose Ramirez of the Guardians, the third baseman, and shortstop of the White Sox, Tim Anderson, that was. And, <laughs> I mean, he, he literally he, like, he literally knocked him out. Like, he couldn't even like walk back. I'm, I'm watching the highlight reel right now, or the replay. He, couldn't, he barely could even walk back to the dugout. Oh, it, it, it was just a uh, spectacle to see if you were in uh, Cleveland last night. Uh, good for you if you got uh, to catch that. We will hear more about this, by the way, in uh, Click or Don't Click later on in the program. Oh, fantastic. Can't wait. Let's go to Jerry in New Jersey. Jerry, you're up. Um, is that I, I, I'm from Lindenhurst. I don't know if they made the mistake, but... Okay. Um, no problem, Jerry. I appreciate um, you joining us on the so show. Just, How you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you're th- I know you yeah, want to talk um, about uh, Rapino, right? Yeah, I was going to talk about Rapino. Just, just like when she came in, you could tell her speed wasn't up to par with like these young guys. And that one ball that came when she was right in the box where she played it off her thigh and it went out. Like she, I feel like she made a few mistakes and, and like she wasn't really locked in. And I don't know if that's a coaching error or if that's on her, but I feel like much more could have been done for this team to win this game, and I feel like it's unacceptable. Jerry, let me let me ask you: Are, are you are you a soccer enthusiast? Do you watch a lot of soccer? Or are you just tuning in because it's it's the women? It's Team USA. You're feeling patriotic. You want to wake up early on Sunday morning so, and support the ladies. So I'm calling just because I love this show. But my girlfriend actually is a, is huge in soccer. She plays in college, so. That's when I started really getting into it. So I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I do watch soccer from time to time. So, so, so I would imagine you, you've had some conversation in regard to how this has all been playing out since the tournament began. And, and, and I'm curious, uh, 800-919-3776, I, I, just, I feel like there's, no, like there's a lack of cohesiveness here. Like, like I, I, from what I understand, um, and I, I'm sorry, we just lost you. So if you could call back, appreciate it. But... You know, from what I understand, it's like, um, you know, it, it it takes a long time for a soccer team to develop the chemistry that it needs uh, in, in order to, uh, to to have the success. I, I mean, you know, again, these are women that are, are training, working together for three years, four years to compete. As we know, 
and 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 that time is needed in regard to develop the chemistry in in order to become a, a soccer powerhouse. And and I I, I feel like there is a disjointed uh, feel here in regard to. You've got the veteran players like the Ertz, like the Alex Morgan, like the Rapino, who have played together for quite a while. And then like the young crop of players and trying to intertwine the two. I, I just I, I just feel like there has not been cohesive. I, I feel like it's 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 too and if you've ever played sports, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you've played sports and you've been on a team where there's just it's it's them it's us it, there's no cohesiveness i just feel like maybe next year and again i'm really excited to have sebastian salazar join us at 10 30 because i i, I want to talk about you know what team usa is going to look like moving forward and the fact that a lot of these veteran players like alex morgan like Ertz, like rapino are going to move on are we going to see better chemistry i guess that's where i'm I'm, I'm heading here. Better chemistry with this Team USA moving forward because now it's it's a true changing of the guard as a whole. And you're not going to have these veteran players who are like, oh, one last go at it before I retire. I think that hurt this team more than helped this team. Just my two cents. And again, I, I don't... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not... I'm your... I'm your your soccer enthusiast, you know, when 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 I'm I'm holding the American flag. Um but based on what I've seen and what I've heard and the commentating and all surrounding, that's what I think. Let's go to Richard in Manhattan. Richard, welcome in. Anita, I just watched one of the great sporting events I've ever watched. I mean, I don't know anything about women's soccer, but you know, I was interested because of the way the women acted and the notoriety they got. So, you know, it was interesting. They played such a great game today. The goaltender for Sweden was unbelievable, mm-hmm. and they represented well. You know, I compare this game to the Super Bowl, where Philadelphia, in my opinion, didn't lose the game to Kansas City. Time just ran out. And that's exactly, in my opinion, what happened to the United States today. They played such a great match. Dennis Rodman's daughter, she was fantastic athletic and she oh she was great she had moves on the field oh and Haran and they all played great the goaltender they just got stopped by a great goaltender and it was entertaining they have nothing to be ashamed of Anita the way I look at sports and a match like what I saw today there were no losers they both played great and uh, and unfortunately time ran out on the United States but you know it's funny I think what added to the game was the bad image that the United States had. And a lot of people, me, I don't know anything about women's soccer. It's just like the NCAA basketball tournament. But I know when Florida Atlantic goes to the final four or St. Peter's goes to advances like they do, I follow these things because they're intriguing storylines to me. And the United States was an intriguing line because of the way they you know, the bad publicity that they got. But today was a great match, and it's unfortunate we lost because, you know, the, the, the dream can't go on. But, Anita, you're covering Richard, it thanks. very well. And I agree with you. I Thank love you. the way Japan plays. I think they got for the such fo- a great I got to let, let you go, Richard. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so Japan right now is 5-1. to one. Uh, to win. England is favored. No surprise there at plus 225. Spain at 3-1. to one. So again, I am anticipating I think the odds makers are as well based on, on what I'm seeing here. 
And that is um, Spain and Japan will battle it out. I think England has uh, an easier path to get to the championship. And I do believe that uh, that we will see uh, an England Japan, actually, you could you could wager that England is going to make it to the championship, not just win the championship at plus 110. I would jump on that right now. Uh, why not? So uh, I do believe that we're going to see England go up against either Japan or Spain, and I'm leaning towards Japan because, again, I got them at 9-1 to one earlier this week. 800-919-3776. Nina Marks with you on the Sunday Funday here on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. Uh, we are back. It is Sunday Funday here on 98.7 ESPN. Presented by Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier takes cocktails from ordinary to unforgettable adding a layer of sophistication to some of the world's most well-loved cocktails. Um, uh, we're going to uh, switch gears here, and we're going to talk some Major League Baseball. And um, uh, we've got a special guest who's going to be joining us. Tim Healy from Newsday is going to be joining us momentarily at 9.30. Why? Well, uh, Mets owner Steve Cohen sent a letter out to season ticket holders um, claiming that the Mets will have a strong team in 2024, which is interesting because Max Scherzer, as we know, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander were both traded. And one thing Scherzer did communicate to the media was that he was told that the Mets were not going to put a strong team together in 2024. So there's some talk and speculation that maybe Pete Alonso is going to be traded uh, once the season's over. Uh, Jeff McNeil as well. So uh, a lot to dive into Again, Mets, as we know, losing. They continue to lose. They've lost five straight, 7-3 yesterday to the Orioles, who, by the way, the Orioles are 7-2. So now they've got a three-game lead on the Rays. Watch out, this Orioles team. A lot of of us, including me, was expecting some regression. It has not happened, and I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon either. Uh, The Mets, they are 10 back and um, just can't even beat teams that are below 500. Uh, McGill came off of, uh, or, or t- I should say, came up from AAA, uh, gave up four runs, nine hits, and just a little over four innings. And uh, Kyle Gibson was magnificent. Uh, seven innings, uh, four hits, three runs, but nine strikeouts. I think he's averaging n- like eight to nine strikeouts every time he pitches for the Orioles, uh, which is really, really impressive. So again, uh, you know, the Mets, they've lost five straight. I, I-, I do believe 
and I think we all know they're going to continue to lose. But more importantly, I think it's great we get Tim Healy on and we can talk about, you know, what can we expect from this Mets team as they head into the offseason? And uh, will it be hot stove? Will it be cold stove? And uh, what does Tim expect them? What type of team does Tim expect them to have in 2024? Again, Steve Cohen sending a letter out to season ticket holders saying that they will have a strong team in 2024. So interested to see and hear what Tim feels again from Newsday. Also, Connor Rogers is going to be joining us at the top of our second hour, really our third, but our second, if you didn't tune into our golf show, uh, to talk some NFL as the Jets and the Giants Full effect uh, at training camp, and we know the Jets coming off of their Hall of Fame game against Cleveland. They lost, but really doesn't matter. Um, I I still, (laughs) where we are right now, it's all about these joint practices. That's what I want to see televised. I want to see the joint practices tell. I don't I don't care about the preseason games. I could care less. Majority teams are not going to play their starters. It's a new day when it comes to training camps and getting teams ready for game one. And, and I truly believe that those, uh, those, those joint practices is what needs to be televised. Uh, I, I would imagine that a number of coaches don't want them to be televised because here's the thing. You don't want to, you, you don't want to show too much, right? There's, you know, there, there's only so much that a team and a coach will work on, especially let's, let's just say when preseason, when we had the four preseason games and they mattered, right? It's, it's, it's a fine line in regard to what the teams want to show during preseason so that when the regular season starts, they could really go in their bag of tricks and, and have a game plan and, and an offensive uh, game plan and in what they want to do that isn't on tape. People didn't see during the, uh, the, the, the preseason games. So I would imagine that there are coaches and teams that don't want those joint practices uh, televised. And I would imagine that there's a lot more that these teams could work on in these joint practices that aren't televised. I get all that. Um, but, <laughs> but, but for us, the fans, it's just, it's, it's just so bad. I mean, again, we've got Tom and Harvey who are producing the show. Gentlemen, do you tune in? Do you, are you going to be watching? Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play in one preseason game, but you can guarantee uh, you know, the majority of his work in getting him ready and getting that team ready for the preseason is going to take place in the joint practices against the Bucs and the Carolina Panthers. Isn't that what you want to watch? I mean, that's certainly probably more interesting than seeing the backups give their all on the field, not to say that they don't deserve that shot and opportunity to play against each other for getting on the uh, team, but... Yeah, the joint practices are going to be a lot more interesting. What happens off the field, especially for the Jets, is also arguably going to be more interesting for the rest of this offseason, as short as it will be. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just keep tuning in to Twitter or X, whatever we want to call it now, and uh, see what the latest news is. That's really the uh, way I'll begin my Jets fix. By the way, uh, we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about Jake Paul, and he he did beat Nate Diaz. uh, Unanimous decision. Um, and it went all 10 rounds, which was really, really impressive. So we'll dive into that as well. Still a lot more coming your way. We'll kick off hour number two next, or not hour number two. <laughs> we'll kick off uh, second half hour of hour number two. There we go. Here I hear on 98.7 ESPN. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, when you look at the probabilities, where we were like 15% and other teams were getting better, you have to take the odds down from that. If you're going to have a 12% chance of winning, get it, winning, just getting into the playoffs, those are pretty crummy odds. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be betting uh, any money on that, and I don't think anybody else would either, okay? And I said before, hope's not a strategy. Steve Cohen uh, talking about uh, the probability or lack thereof of the Mets making it to the postseason, why he decided to sell Verlander, Scherzer, and a number of other guys. Coming in this season with a $350 million roster, uh, but just not enough. So now the Mets, they are 50 and 60, 21 games behind the Atlanta Braves, uh, let alone uh, no chance, obviously, to even make it in as a wild card. So here we are. Tim Healy joins us now from Newsday. Tim, welcome in. Good morning. How are you? I am excellent. How are you? Uh, I think we are both better than Mets fans, who, by the way, season ticket holders got a letter from Steve Cohen yesterday um, telling them that they are going to have a strong team in 2024, which I find interesting because, as we know, Max Scherzer traded, spoke to the media after the trade, and he communicated that he was told by the front office that this is a Mets team that will not have a strong team heading into 2024. So what say you, Tim? Well, I think the Mets will be fine team, but as Scherzer very helpfully told us, and as Steve Cohen and Billy Epler said in their more politically correct way, the Mets aren't going to go all in next year. It's going to be a bit of a transition year, you know, trying to lay the groundwork for a better 2025, 2026, and beyond. So, the letter from the Cohen's two season ticket holders was interesting because it left out that key sentiment. Like on the one hand, the Mets have said, yes, we want to be competitive in 2024, but without as many stars, without going as hard in free agency, without the expectations as high as they were the last couple of years. So notably, naturally they left that out of the letter to season ticket holders um so it was just really that letter to season ticket holders was basically just a sales pitch um you know one thing and and i'm just and and folks that are are just tuning in uh article up on uh on on espn.com as well and i'm sure tim has written about it uh one thing steve cohen said is in in this letter uh as is that you know there's a lot of dead money for this team in, in 2024. So pretty much what he's saying is they'll have a strong team in 2024, but, but make a real impact in 2025 and 2026. So a, a few things, number one, based on, on, you know, the deals that they made at the trade deadline I've received, especially with Robertson, I received a, n- a number of calls from Mets fans. Why'd they trade him so early? Couldn't they have gotten a better deal? Who are these young prospects that are coming in? 
um, you know, they're not even at the top of um, a, a number of, uh, of of websites in regard to some of the best farm players out there. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, Tim, how do you feel that the Mets did at the trade deadline and what they did get back for the players that they let go? All together or in the case of the Robertson trade? All, all together as a whole. I'm just saying I received a number of calls from disappointed Mets right. fans uh, not you know, feeling like, you know, who are these young prospects that, that came in? They're not even you know, at the top of a number of websites when it comes to uh, farm system players. Uh, and yeah. they felt that they could have held on to Robertson as they got closer to Tuesday uh, and, and possibly get a better deal from someone else. So all I'm saying is I, there was disappointment then. I'm curious as a whole... Uh, what they got back and where they stand right now, uh, you know, do you feel that they did well? I think they did. They did fine. You know, I, I, it, with prospects, it's so hard to tell. All, all you can go off of is their perceived ceiling, their perceived future ability. The best players they got back naturally were in the Scherzer and Verlander deals. And the, the names to keep an eye on are, are Luis Angel Acuna, who they mm-hmm. got from the Rangers, the brother, brother of Ronald Acuna. He's a shortstop who also plays second and outfield. So there's some real interesting stuff going on there with him. Uh, and then the guys they got from for Verlander, the second name in that deal, Ryan Clifford, who's a first baseman slash outfielder, currently playing with Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Cyclones, actually, for anybody interested in going, you know, who lives locally and wants to go see him. Um, he has big-time power, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops. He may well be the best of the three. And then Drew Gilbert is an outfielder who, as Billy Epler put it, plays with his hair on fire, which is honestly kind of sounds like an entertaining player. That's my kind of player. So did they do well? Ah, the Mets think so, but they have to think so. Otherwise, uh, you know, Billy Epler is going to get fired. So it's it's – we won't know for years if this really works out for the Mets, and who knows? Maybe the seventeen-year-old, uh, uh, maybe the seventeen-year-old shortstop they got from the Diamondbacks for Tommy Pham turns out better than everybody. So that's the nature of the minor league stuff. They look like they did fine. I don't think the Mets, you know, blew everybody out of the water with this stuff, but. Their farm system, by default, looks better now than it did a week and a half ago. So that's what they wanted to do, and and they did it to whatever degree. Um, in regard, there's there's some talk and speculation uh, in the off season. Pete Alonso potentially being traded. I know he, what he has one year of arbitration eligibility, right before he becomes a free agent in 2025. Jeff McNeil, yeah. uh, do you see other star players on this Mets roster being traded? In the offseason? Well, the big one, as you said, is Pete Alonso because he is scheduled to become a free agent until 2024. Alonso and the Mets refuse to say publicly whether they even want to discuss a long-term deal or whether they have interest in that. So they sort of, they sort of talk around it when they get asked very directly. So this is something that will hang over the Mets until it's resolved one way or another, until he gets a long-term contract or until he gets traded or signs elsewhere. This is going to be one of the biggest things following the Mets for, 
uh, 15, 16 months potentially, maybe longer, depending on how next offseason goes. So will he get traded? I, I don't think so because there's almost no way you trade your best hitter and then are competitive next year, especially when you're going to um, not put a ton of effort and a ton of money into free agency. So I fully expect Pete Alonso to stay, and if I were the Mets, I would sign him forever because he's the best power hitter you've developed in the history of your organization, and you should keep him around as the face of the franchise. Um, but I, I, we don't know that, that for sure that that's going to happen. I like to give Steve Cohen the benefit of the doubt because he's done a lot of the obvious smart things since taking over, and this falls into that category. You know, I and, and again, uh, Tim Healy joining us now. You can see his work all over Newsday. Uh, you know, I, I compared, I compared when when he came out. Uh, what maybe about two months ago? This was right after the All Star break, right, Tim? And said, "Listen, three hundred fifty million dollars. Like, you know, I I, I I tried to put the best team available, and, and one would argue, really, Max Scherzer, Verlander at their age, really was that really uh, making the wisest decision? That's neither here nor there." It, there's no denying that this is an owner that loves this organization, wants to win, and has endless pockets in order to make that happen. Um, but said it's up, it's up to them in that clubhouse to really turn this around and for us to make a decision as we get closer to the trade deadline. And I commend him for doing that. You know, there are, and, and I'm sure you know this in covering sports as long as we have Tim. Like, there's a lot of owners and, and general managers that are terrified to admit that they made a mistake. And and yeah. they will go down. They will go down with the sinking ship, instead of um, pivoting. And what we saw here is Steve Cohen in this organization pivoting. And I commend them for that. Yeah, whether you like the direction the Mets are going in or not, you have to give them some credit for making a choice and going as fully as they did in that in that direction and you know, probably setting themselves up for a better future, if not a better immediate future. Um, you know, compare what the Mets did in that hard pivot to, say, the Yankees, who just seemed completely lost and didn't do anything really at the trade deadline. The Yankees ostensibly are in the playoff race, but I think you have to like the Mets' longer-term future a lot better than the Yankees. Well, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, uh, not, not, not music to the, uh, the ears of a lot of Yankee fans. So again, uh, as we know, the Mets out of it. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, what this team, what this roster does look like in 2024. Uh, Tim, I'm sure the next, uh, you know, hot stove, cold stove, I'm sure the next few months uh, are going to be really intriguing. But you mentioned the Yankees uh, who now have, uh, have won uh, beat, the Houston Astros yesterday. They are 11 games out of uh, first place in the American League East. Baltimore has just been tearing it up. They've got a three-game lead on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they've just been tremendous, and what a great storyline that is. I'm sure Yankee fans don't want to hear that, but I spent four years in Baltimore. Trust me, these fans, uh, they've, been, they've just been miserable for years. I'm, I'm thrilled for them. Uh, but big picture here before we let you go, big landscape here. You know, who, who, do, you, who do you like at the stretch now, right? Coming in, to potentially, um, you know, we, we've, we're past the trade deadline. Now we, we see, we know what these teams are going to look like as we head closer and closer to the postseason. You know, the Atlanta Braves, obviously so dominant. The Orioles, one of the best storylines. You've got the Rangers as well. 
Um, the Dodgers making a run. Uh, now the Arizona, I love the I love the Arizona Diamondbacks coming into uh, the season. Um, now they're third in the National League West. Uh, the Reds, a really great storyline as well. With all that being said, you know who do you like down the stretch here? Down the stretch, getting into the playoffs, or once we get to the playoffs in the World Series. But let, let's let's talk both. Um, who who do you like? Who who do you think? Who do, okay, two part question here. Number one, let's go with this. Um, who do you who do you think is going to surprise some folks and get in? Are you confident that the Yankees are going to get in as a wild card? Uh, I'm not confident at all. The Yankees going to get in are going to get in. They're mm-hmm. three and a half back right now, and they've got some really good teams in front of them, including two in the division plus the Astros, who they've handled this weekend fine. But uh, you know, bigger picture never seems to beat. I am a sucker though for new blood, and you mentioned both of them, but we've seen some teams this year who have endured really deep, really long rebuilds, and now they're coming out the other side of those rebuilds with really exciting young players and are good, good at baseball as a team, maybe a year or two earlier than they expected, so that the Orioles are leading the AL East, I think is is very funny and awesome and very entertaining. And then that the Reds right now hold a wild card spot uh, is also a lot of fun. And they're right there in their own division, the NL Central. So I like I, – I, I'm going to enjoy watching both of those two teams down the stretch. Uh, when it comes to the, the playoffs overall, it's, you know, listen, anything can happen in a playoff series, right? We've seen that especially the last two years. But the Braves are a wagon. I mean, they, they quietly have become maybe the preeminent franchise in all of baseball. They're just so good at everything. So good. I When, when they lost their, their ace, Max Freed, in like May, I thought, wow, these guys are going to be vulnerable. You know, uh, Maybe there's room for somebody else in the division to make a run at them. And then they got hot and barely ever lose. And now Freed is back, and nothing bad happened to the Braves. So uh, Atlanta's just really, really good, unfortunately, for the Mets and the rest of the division. Absolutely. Um, and big picture here, if you were to go to the window and put a wager down on a Major League Baseball team to win this whole damn thing this season, it sounds like it would be the Atlanta Braves. Is that who you're feeling right now? Probably, yeah. I mean, the, the, the beauty of baseball is that it's a total crapshoot once we get down to it, but I think you have, the strongest case absolutely belongs to the Braves. Plus 320, by the way. Uh, that's what you could wager that the Braves are going to win the World Series. Dodgers at 5-1, to one, Astros at plus 750, the Rays at 8-1, to one, Rangers plus 850, and the Baltimore Orioles 11-1. to one. Tim, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy your Sunday fun day. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You have a good day as well. You got it. Tim Healy, make sure you you, you look at his stuff uh, and find him on all things social media, uh, especially on Newsday. More to come. Nita Marks with you, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. In the break, I asked uh, one of our producers, Tom, if he's ever had um, cotton candy grapes. 
And you not only have you never had cotton candy grapes, but you've never even heard of cotton candy grapes. No, is that I accurate. I, that is very accurate. I had no idea they were even such a thing until about five minutes ago when you when you were uh, enjoying cotton candy grapes and you would ask if I had them before, and I said no. Harvey, have you ever had cotton candy grapes? Absolutely. Um, I prefer the the natural grapes to cotton candy grapes only because of the flavor, but. I do have do you a, not like cotton? Do you not like cotton candy? Do you not like the taste of cotton candy? Yeah, not really. I mean, it's way too really? too sweet for my my taste. And I have a sugar like oh. I have a sugar tooth, a sweet tooth. So okay. I just prefer the natural ones over the the cotton candy ones. But I can see why people like them because oh. they are pretty uh, sweet. Oh, they're delicious. Now, um, now highly you- recommend that on your way home today, Tom. You pop into a Whole Foods or something like that and you get yourself some cotton candy grapes and try them and uh, text me immediately I, I i'm curious to know what you think about them if i'm able to get to a group now is it do do i have to get them at like a specialty store like a whole foods or do you think i could just walk into my nearest shop right and I, i'll be able to find no, them really I easily think, i'm not sure uh, th- that's no, a great if question you go, if, you uh, to, I, uh, if you go to your local i know shop i know whole right foods yeah that they, they, oh, okay. have, they have some too i know that um walmart definitely has as well Sounds like I got options. Walmart? Walmart has fruit? Walmart has fruit. Yeah, you you never seen the fruit section at Walmart before? I don't go to Walmart. I don't sh- I don't like to shop. I'm not a shopper. Wow, how are you surviving, Anita Marks? What do you mean? You don't like to shop? What do you spend your I'm, gambling I'm money not... on? Yeah, what's up with that? You just save all your gambling money? What do you do? I I spend it on golf and I spend it on pickleball paddles and balls and oh my God. I just bought a um, <laughs> I just bought a uh, this is this is this is how deep d- just so folks know this is how deep I am on pickleball I splurged on a pickleball ball machine you're go- you're gonna need to give some more context what. What does that actually you do? You know, the, the, it, it shoots balls at you, so I can go to the court by myself and practice. Okay, so it's kind of like the things that they have, like at, a, like a, like at tennis, they have those as well. Right, but it's for pickleballs. So, so I can go to the courts and, you know, I am like, I am, I am invested, to say the least. You're going to go on the pro circuit someday, Anita. I can't wait to see you on TV, like, dominating people <laughs> in pickleball. Yeah, from your mouth to God's ears. I don't know if I'll ever get that good, but uh, but I am I am I am committed. Um, that's where I, that, these days. That's where I'm spending my money on pickleball stuff and pickleball balls and um, and and all that good stuff. Uh, but uh, we're gonna switch gears. By the way, again, I just want to remind folks, Jake Paul. I know you don't want to hear it. Tom, uh, let me ask you, Tom. Good thing you good thing you weren't producing the show yesterday because we spent like a good 30, 45 minutes on Jake Paul because. Um, I knew nothing about him. I know. Uh, pop Rags culture, sorry, riches, not yeah. sorry. Netflix. Rags Ooh. to riches. If you did Ooh. have you seen the Netflix show? Huh? I I barely watch anything on Netflix, let alone anything related to Jake or Logan Paul. I know you you can't stand them, can you? Here, majority what... people can ma, majority people can't and and I'm and I'm aware because leading up to the fight last night that I did watch, I made sure I was home in time to watch it. It started quite late, but nonetheless, 
the majority of people that I've said, oh, have you seen the Netflix special with, with Jake Paul? Oh, I can't stand him. Oh, I hate that guy. He's an ass. I can't, I wouldn't pay money to watch him. Blah, 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 blah. I like, not, there's not one person. There's not one individual that I have come across that's been like, oh yeah, you know what? Great story. Rags to riches. Unbelievable. Yeah, that Netflix story. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, I can't wait to see him fight. Not one person. Not one. And, I, and let me. And I've, I've, I've spoken to several people in the in the twenty four to forty eight hours prior to the fight, and now you're another one. Yeah, you can't stand these two guys. Yes. Now here's what I'll say about the Paul brothers. I respect how they've been able to build their brand because that takes. It's very difficult to do it as huge as they've made their brand. So I respect the hustle that they've done in that regard. And anytime I've seen WWE highlights, it looks like they're actually doing really well in WWE, or at least Logan is. I don't know which one does it. But in terms of what they say, how they act, and them in the boxing ring, nah, I, I could care less. Yeah, a lot of majority of people feel the way you do. But uh, just to bring you up to speed, Jake Paul, late fight last night, beat Nate Diaz, went the distance, 10 rounds, unanimous decision. Uh, but now apparently Nate Diaz wants a rematch, but MMA, not boxing. So we'll see if that does happen. Quick break. We come back. We kick off hour number two, or really hour number three, if you were tuning in to our golf show. Let's talk some football. Connor Rogers joins us next right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.